The Crowncast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means you are listening to The Crowncast. And uh, it's back on. It's back on. That's right. Uh, Charlotte FC goes out. Uh, we get our first ever sweep over NYCFC. And I think if you would have placed a bet that we would have swept the past league champions in our first year of playing the game, I would have said that bet would unlikely pay out. I would have called it risky. Um, but that's what it is. And here to be risky with me today is Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. It's a good one. This is this is really interesting because, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago uh, around the Toronto match about, and Josh from Bank Spears and Soccer uh, mentioned, like, nobody wants to see Toronto if they make the playoffs. I think right now, any team that makes the playoffs wants to see NYCFC. Oh God, yeah, uh, they are on a a a downward trend, and I do think we are going to have to we're going to have to build like a, a I don't know a unique machine that we can shove the information in from this and have it spit out like what we should identify as good from Charlotte FC because much like the game that we played against uh DC United which you know we we took it to them I believe we won that one 3-0 uh I feel like we have to measure our results against the team we were playing and the team we were playing was not the absolute dominating world beating NYCFC it was definitely a team that was there to be taken and I think there's a lot to say in the first like 15 20 minutes about the fact that we just owned the entire center of the field. I do think the move of uh, Carol Swiderski into the middle of the field may have assisted with that, but there was just no pressure on us in in the whole middle of the field, and we took advantage. Yeah. Uh, uh, as it turns out, Logan, there is a machine that can process what happened in that match and spit out what we should learn for it. It is called uh, the Crowncast Post React. That is. That's actually what we're doing right now. That is. Wait, does that mean we are the machine? We are the machine. Yes. We are the machine. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> that means we have to have logical and interesting statements. Uh, so look, the hard part look. will be the logic. Here. Yeah, I was going to say um, the interesting I can handle. The oh, yeah, logic. we could go. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that means the logic's on me, which is even worse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to you, dear listener, that's not what you want. Uh, or maybe it is. I, I don't know. I'm just a podcaster. So. We're going to get into it because I think we've done enough babbling. And that is, uh, uh, we come away with a 1-0 win. We hold the lines. We not only get a clean sheet, we do it with 10 men. All absolutely incredible things. I think there are some very good points. I think there are some not so good points. Uh, Much in the same way that we've talked about in the past, I think the whole level of the team was relatively high today. I think the crowns are going to go for people who were just one step higher and the cards are going to go to people who are just one step below that. Um, I don't think we're talking about anybody getting a card who is like a 1 out of 10. And we're not talking about anybody getting a crown who was like a 13 out of 10. Uh, would you say that's fair, Justin? No, I mean, I absolutely agree. I think we're looking at at the guys who put in, you know, 8 out of 10 performances. And then the guys who put in, you know, maybe the 4 or 5 out of 10 uh, yeah. performances. So, as ever, I will hand to you the honorary decision of whether or not we start with the cards or we start with the crowns. And then as usual, I will ignore it. Well, look, we won. 
Let's start on the bad so we can finish with the good. Let's card some performances that maybe were a little disappointing today. You know what? I'm going to executively choose to follow your decision instead of ignoring it. I do feel like it is the right one. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually like just just ripped your decision up and been like, nah, that ain't happening. Uh, so we're going to go cards first, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Let's card a few players. And, and... I am going to go first. Yeah. I'm carding Christian Fuchs. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, Christian Fuchs is now tied for the. Now, I think that uh, the red card, which we're going to get into plenty on the main podcast, if you really want to dive into why that's a red card or why that isn't a red card, uh, if you want to get into that brawl, um, look for that on the Wednesday. Uh, It does come off as a red card, so ultimately that's what matters right now. Uh, Christian Fuchs is now tied in the league with two uh, red cards for this season. Uh, that is the most red cards to my knowledge that any player in all of MLS has gotten. Uh, I think there are like two other people that are also on two red cards. And I feel like if you were to sit down and say the guy on our team who is tied for the most red cards in a single season is supposed to be the calm, cool, collected professional, the captain of your team, the guy who is supposed to be leading the others you might come to a conclusion that something about that isn't right. Would you say that's unfair, Justin? I mean, no, it's not unfair to red card him for, for to, to card him here for getting the red card. I, I would like to say that it, this is only for the red card moment because I actually thought Christian Fuchs, you know, back out on that left back spot, had a pretty decent game leading up to that point. It wasn't stellar. Not he See, wasn't in a I, position to get crowned, but I'm I, I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think it was a very good game. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say it was a terrible game, but again, if we're talking about crowns and cards being the difference of you know a, a one or a two on the performance rating. I didn't really see, and maybe it was just live, so I didn't see it, but I didn't really see Christian Fuchs make much in that game. Now, I didn't see him be a, a huge factor against us. Like, I didn't see him make any terrible de- terrible decisions or terrible plays, although there was one attack down our right wing that he just let the guy sit there in our box for a little while before deciding to apply pressure. Um, I felt like it was a, a pretty at best game from Christian Fuchs and in a game where he had time in a game where they weren't pressing super effectively or super hard that should be the game that Christian Fuchs goes in there and murders people like that should be the game that he goes in and absolutely cuts teams apart from the back he should be springing counterattacks. he should be you know breaking through the first line and I saw Adelson Melanda who we may get on uh, shortly (laughs) <laughs> uh, breaking through that first line way more than I saw Christian Fuchs doing it. Uh, I personally would have called this maybe a four out of 10 from Christian Fuchs. And he throws an elbow into a guy's face. And I, I'm just not seeing that as, as great. Again, I'm not calling it awful. I'm not calling it a, uh, you know, what on earth happened? How did this guy even exist on the pitch today? But if you look at the rest of the team, Christian Fuchs was below the level. 
I mean, I can see the argument. I, I remember some good passing out of Fuchs, and, and I don't remember any sort of glaringly awful defensive problems. And given our options at left back right now, getting some decent-ish passing out of left back is a, a lot of times above the average that we get from that position. So, Okay, okay. Um, well, we do not always have to agree, so I will turn it over to you to go for your card. And you're you're not gonna let me card the officiating, right? <laughs> oh, we're gonna do that together in a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Our so our powers will combine. Um, I I think that for me, I'm gonna have to card Kerwin Vargas again, and I I don't think that Vargas had a terrible performance. Wow. Actually, I'm gonna disagree with you on this one too. But continue. Well, so here's the thing, though. Like in in this lineup, right? I think there has to be more onus on Kerwin Vargas and and Kamal Yozwiak if you're going to say that Daniel Rios is going to be the guy through the middle. There's got to be a little bit more goal-scoring threat. Um, and Vargas had a, a guilt-edged opportunity that he blazed wide. Oh yeah, And he's got to hit true. those better. He's got to hit those attempts better. Um, and again, this is not a situation. I don't think that anybody put in a truly poor performance today. Um, I, you know, I think you can even, I'm not going to crown him for it, but I think you can applaud Harrison awful for, for having to move over and cover the left back spot when Nathan Byrne came on. And I thought he did a decent enough job doing that, but I don't think anybody did an incredibly poor job, but I think that one of the things that you have to ask Vargas in this situation is we need you to do better on those goal scoring chances. And Yozwiak has another goal scoring chance and, and doesn't slot at home, but Yozwiak at least rings the post. Yozwiak gets a close enough that I can give him a little bit of a pass there. And, and Vargas just whiffs it. And, and those are situations where Kerwin Vargas is still young. Kerwin Vargas still has opportunity, I think to, to improve these things. I would rather, have right now with there still being a theoretical pie in the sky chance at the playoffs. Maybe I'd rather have Mackenzie Gaines in that spot. I think he's more threatening. I think he's more dangerous than Kerwin Vargas. Yeah. One thing I will come in here with and say, I, I think my initial reaction was disagreement and you may have swayed me to your cause is the fact that um, Kerwin Vargas doesn't really have end product. Um, there is an, an almost, I don't want to call it a fear of shooting, but uh, obviously doesn't do great in front of goal today and doesn't seem to be the type of character who is going to to really be the one who drives the ball into the back of the net. I do think it's Kerwin Vargas who gets the assist today. Justin, you may correct me on that. Was that him? Um, I think that's it was right. definitely off I... that wing. Yeah. Um, hey, the 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 value of post reacts. We have not had time to sit down and make sure that every single fact is right. Oh. Uh, no, we, it's Swiderski that swings it in. It's Swiderski. Okay. Um, Which we need to talk about as we move into the crowns, I think. Uh, do we? <laughs> uh, I think for there's going to be a lot to, to unpick for this one. Uh, so uh, my statement on Kerwin Vargas is he really appears to be trying to make the danger runs. His off-the-ball work is looking really good. I do think there's a clear deficiency in his on-the-ball. Um, especially when you get in front of goal. But I'm seeing him make these really good little interior cuts. So he'll move the ball interior and he'll 
uh, he'll pass the ball into a uh, Carol Swiderski or to Ben Bender or uh, to Brant Bronico. Uh, and then he'll just sort of, he'll like, he'll almost look like he's given up, like he's done his part of the play. And in doing so, he'll sort of ghost away from the, the players following him. And he'll regularly drag one defender and sometimes even two into that interior channel and back down towards our defensive side. And then he'll just sort of act like he's given up and sort of ghost away from them. And then he's just gone in behind them. He just like full speed sprints into the space he created for himself. And I haven't seen him really utilize that space well yet, but I have seen him create the space and I have seen him provide an opportunity to, to, to make that area dangerous. So, uh, it's in, amazing when you when I said I was going to disagree with you. That's kind of what I saw out of him today, and it, it almost feels like I kind of just ignored the fact that he really does need to be a threat. Like he can't just be doing the middle stuff. Good, isn't the ability to run into that space and beat defenders with that kind of pace and everything like that just a worse version of Mackenzie Gaines right now? Uh, I'm not going to say that because uh, Mackenzie Gaines I think is better at beating the defender to the space. I think that Kerwin Vargas is doing something that is really elite. Um, and, and again, he's got one one thing that is functioning at an elite level, and that's he's drawing defenders away to create the space. He's making them forget about him, and then he's going for it. Whereas Mackenzie Gaines, if the space is there, he's going to be much more effective in the space. Um, I, I haven't seen Mackenzie Gaines create that space for himself in a, in a busy area. Uh, but maybe that's maybe that's something we should flesh out more like after we both watch some video and I can show you what I'm looking at. Um, should we move into crowns or is there any other any other last remarks we want to take? Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely I think I'm done with the cards again. I, you know, I want to be clear to everybody that's listening. This is not one of those where we're coming in hot and really ripping into these guys. We're picking at nits to find uh, cards to hand out. Yeah. Um, so uh, I will go ahead and let you do your first crown. Who would you like to, to go into? I mean, I, it sounds like this is going to cause some controversy. I'm crowning Carol Swiderski for his play in the number 10 today. <laughs> I almost carded Carol Swiderski. Um, no, uh, go for it. Go for it. This is actually, Look, this is great. Too the, often we see the same thing. So yeah, please go for it. The, the first half uh, in particular, and, and I understand that he fell off a little bit in the second half, especially after the card. You know, I think there, that he got shifted around the pitch a little bit. But in the first half in particular, I thought he was, you know, creative in linking the midfield. I think that he was more involved with the team than he's been most of the season. Uh, and I think a big part of that comes from him dropping back into the number 10. Tactically, I might have not put Daniel Rios in front of him if I was making the team cheat. Daniel Rios is the one who scores this goal off of, of Swiderski's uh, cross. But I thought he was more effective than he has been because he was occupying the space anyway, right? He was dropping back, he was dropping deep, and he was taking up this number 10 space to try and link play anyway. So why not just cede him the space, not worry about Ben Bender trying to, to fit in, you know, next to it, uh, it you know. I think from a progression, from from a, a a team progression sort of perspective, and I think that maybe this would have happened if if Christian Fuchs doesn't get that red. It, it would have been great to see Nuno Santos get some more minutes in that that space as well. But I thought, especially in the first half, when I felt like we dominated possession more, when we created more chances, I thought Carol Swiderski linked that play really well. And I think it's 
one of the things where he's more technically proficient in some of those situations, he still goes down too easily. But when he gets a little bit of a second and being at the 10 spot bought him a little bit more time than being up top in the nine, um, he can find good passes. He can link play well. Uh, and so I was impressed at least with first half Carol Swiderski. And uh, I thought he sent in a really nice cross, which honestly is something that's been missing. Uh, you know, especially when Jalen Lindsay can't find his way into the team for some reason. Dangerous crosses with with good pace at a good height into a good area are lacking in the squad. And so he sends a good one in today and uh, it gets us the goal. Indeed. And I will say just a little note here because I talked to Christian Latanzio and I asked him directly uh, what happened with Jalen Lindsay not making the team sheet. Was it just a knock? And uh, he said he did not pick up a knock in training, that this was regular scheduled rotation. So uh, take that, listeners, for what you want. Uh, I think Justin and I will take it and probably dissect it and have lots to say about it in the next one. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna make my comments on Carol Swiderski. Uh, I am glad to see that he gets the assist. Uh, you're right. Some of the crossing in, especially when Jalen Lindsay isn't there, is not really to anyone. It's just sort of vaguely to space. I think he looked world beater in the first 10, 15 minutes. In the first 10, 15 minutes, he was everywhere. He was splitting lines. And uh, I have these sort of stages of play that I expect to see. And one of them that I expect to see is whenever a new player or a player who is known moves into a new position, the other team is going to have an adjustment period. Um, the other team is not going to be expecting what that player can do. And they're essentially going to have roughly 10 minutes where they're completely free. Uh, we saw this within an extended period for Ben Bender in the first couple of games where nobody really thought he was that dangerous. And so he was getting a bunch of time on the ball and he was ripping teams to shreds. Um, as soon as other teams said, oh no, we can't just let Ben Bender have the ball. All of a sudden they started closing him down really quickly. We see some of Ben Bender's frailty come through. Uh, the first 15 minutes of this game, Carol Swiderski was tearing that team to shreds and deserves credit for it. And right after that, they started marking, really marking Carol Swiderski, and I didn't see him for the rest of the game. And that's not a, uh, I, I don't want that to be a, like, I'm driving a dagger into Carol Swiderski because I think he proved that one, he can operate in the tight spaces because I saw him do some fantastic dribbles out of two or three people. Two, he can make the passes because when given the time, he hit a couple of really good passes. And three, he wants to link up with Kamala Uzwiak, um, who, by the way, please look out for our uh, uh, Instagram or eventually up on the website we got to talk to in the post-match. We get to talk and have an interview with Kamil, so look out for that. Um, I see those things. Unfortunately, I saw them all just shut down immediately once once the other team went, oh no, we have to do something to stop that. I'm not going to say that that scares me away because everybody needs to adapt, right? You know, this isn't his original position. He's not used to being under stress or pressure from that position without having more people around him. He's now the guy there. Uh but now I want to see how he's going to adapt. And in this game, I did not see the adaptation. Justin, do you have something you want to say about this? No, I mean, you know, a lot of this has to do with the early uh, uh, sort of dominance that Swiderski brought. Um, 
I still think that he linked well. I think that especially later in the game, uh, he did maybe spend a little bit too much time doing Carol Swiderski things in that like he was spending too much time trying to buy the fouls. Um, one of the the pieces that I did see, especially late on, uh, that I noticed is is sometimes when you're trying to buy the foul and uh, the official is not convinced, you got to get up and and get back on again. And he's not great about that. But all that said, I thought he looked good in the ten. And honestly, I think that that there is a world where this team is better going forward with Carol Swiderski playing in you know that, those kinds of spaces. Yeah. Uh, I do think that there is definitely a world where uh, Carol being allowed to be the box to box that he wants to be, because whether we like it or not, that guy chases the ball. He he wants to be a part of the play. He wants to chase the ball. He wants to be available, which is all good stuff. But it's much more effective when he gets to be a box to box eight instead of a, you know, sit up top, run in behind striker number nine. Uh I guess that takes me on to my crown for the evening. Is that correct? Um, I should just pick someone really controversial just so you'll disagree (laughs) with me and we'll have like a whole podcast of us having different opinions on things. Um, No, I am going to take probably the least controversial one and also one of the most simple in my opinion, and that's Adelson Melanda. Um, I believe he gets man of the match in this. I will say uh, by the time they announced man of the match, we were already underneath the tunnels uh, setting up to do a presser with Christian Latanzio. Um, but I, I do believe I heard that he gets man of the match. Do you know if that's correct, Justin? Uh, I uh, I don't see anything official just yet, but uh, that's been posted online. Oh, well, maybe nobody got man of the match. Uh, either way, I, I think he is pretty easy to recognize for for his efforts. I think he has come in. I don't think he's a direct replacement for Guzman Carujo. I think they defend in very different styles. Uh, but I think it's easy to forget that defenders aren't the same as attacking players. And when you see an incredible attacking player who just looks natural at 21, 20 years old, you go, wow, there is a kid out here and it, they just look natural. Right. Like even if they're not lighting the world up, they're making all the right runs They're They're doing everything right. They're being stable there. They look like they belong here. Defenders age differently. You don't really expect to see, you know, solid, good decision making, good timing, good tackling, line holding responsibility from a defender until much later in, in their career. You know, usually you see that at like 26 or 27 for defenders. And to the point that we would even say uh, Anton Walks and Guzman Carujo are on the younger side of a responsible defender. This guy is what, 20, Justin? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, I think he's 20, yeah. He's 20 years old. He has just come over to this league. Uh, and I will say, Christian Latanzio can't say enough about him. Christian Latanzio is raving about this guy. Um, he has all of the props for this guy's talent and all of the props for this guy's control. And he looks like he just fits. I mean, he just looks like this isn't a big deal to him. He looks calm. He looks composed. He's working with his teammates. He's uh, doing something that I really like. He's stepping through the first line. Um, and that is a challenge as a defender to be have the confidence to just take the ball and when the space is available, dribble through the first two players and remove them from the game before making that next pass. 
he just looks good and he hasn't set the world on fire yet. I'm not talking about any one of his single skills like, you know, this is the next Virgil van Dyke. Uh, but at 20 years old, as a central defender on a team that right now is is finding its identity, he just looks solid. He looks like everything about him fits and is right and is strong and stable. And wow, those are great things to be saying about a center back, regardless of their age. And and then you add in the age factor, and that really blows me away. Justin, do you want to get in on this? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think this is the first time this podcast we're going to agree, but I'm absolutely going to agree with you. Uh, Melanda looks good. Uh, you know, again, he's got the passing. Like you said, he's got the, the willingness to step through that first line which, uh, you know, for a center back can be great. I really am excited about the possibility of of him starting next season next to Guzman Carujo, because if we have a destroyer and a creator in, in uh, the center of our defense, we're going to be a much better team for it. And it's not long before Milanda starts goals in. Uh, you know, he had a great swivel uh, last match, and and it, they were lucky, uh, you know, to get a block in there. Um, this one, he rings the post on a header with some authority and, uh, you know, a little bit better, and he would have opened his account here with, with Charlotte and um, really impressed with him. Okay, so quick question for you. Uh, who gets their who gets their first goal first? Do you think it's Adelson Melanda or do you think it's Kamala Yuzwiak? Yuzwiak's uh, going to have more opportunities, I think. Uh, but I think Melanda looks, Melanda looks like he knows where the goal is really well. So he does. He looks, that's a great way to say it. He looks like he knows where the goal is. Um, uh, I, I do feel like that's about all we're going to say on him. Really spectacular performance from him. I think he's the standout and probably the most obvious crown. Uh, do you want to go ahead and take us away with your final thoughts, Justin? I mean, it's too little too late, but it's always nice to see Charlotte get the win. Um, I am once again going to disagree with you entirely because that seems to be the theme. (laughs) Um, And that is, I'm going to say, it's back on, baby. Look out, playoffs. Here we come. That is in no way, shape, or form, uh, you know, an almost insurmountable challenge that is technically possible. Here we come. All we have to do is win them all and let everybody else lose them all. Easy game. Uh, So (laughs) thank you all so much for listening uh, listening to this. We hope that uh, you've enjoyed spending your time with us. And as ever... If you were one of the fans who came out and uh, enjoyed the time with Charlotte FC, we hope you're out there partying and enjoying your night. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you again on Wednesday. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.